Amen. If you guys, if you don't mind, if you guys can sit over here today, since it make it a little bit easier for me, I talk to all of us. Hallelujah. Are we recording now? Great. Well, it is. Uh, this is the last and final installment of our series. We have been uh, preaching a series on loss and winning the loss. And uh, last week. Uh, we talked about, I thought, a very, very critical message as it relates to uh, ministering to those who don't know Christ. We talked about the destination of the loss. A very, very powerful message. And if you didn't hear that, I would um, make sure that you listen to it. You can go online. You can download it. The week before, we talked about uh, the pursuit of sinners and the importance of pursuing sinners and how to do that. And, or, or not pursuing sinners, but pursuing unbelievers who happened to be sinners outside of Christ. And then we talked about, even before that, Jesus and how he was a friend of sinners. And so today we're going to talk about the subject of born from above. And the reason why I think this is so critically important, for the believer, it's important that we understand and know how to minister to people who don't know Jesus. We need to be able to explain the concept of what born again is, because so many people have so many various and different understanding about what born again really is. And for the unbeliever who is not saved, who's listening to this message, and obviously you need to be born again, for Jesus said that no one can come into the Father unless he's born again. And so why don't we start with a word of prayer, and then we'll just jump right into the word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I pray, God, that you would uh, just manifest your glory, speak to the heart and minds of every person that is here this morning. We pray for your blessing. We pray that I will decrease. Your spirit in me will increase as the word go forth with power and great conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 3, verses 1 through, uh, I believe, uh, 7. Uh, the Gospel of John. Actually, we're going to read uh, verses uh, 1 through 8. The Gospel of John, chapter number 3. Verses 1 through 8. And it reads, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel or do not be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. <clears throat> you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, we've heard many in our society today, there seems to be uh, a high tolerance 
for various and different kinds of religions uh, in our culture. And it's becoming more and more challenging for the Christian or for those of us who are born again to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Because when we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, people get a little bit offended by that. In fact, they look at you and think that you are a little bit arrogant when you say that there is no way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. But yet, if you read the Gospel of John chapter 14, and I won't have you turn there, Jesus emphatically says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. Now, that is not something that Pastor Gary said. That is not something that any minister just kind of conjure up. This is something that Jesus said himself. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So then, if Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and the only way to get to God, then how many know we need to pay close attention to what Jesus says? Because either he's the way or either he's not. Either he's the truth or either he's a phony, one or the other. And if we believe that Jesus is the way to God and he speaks from God because he is in fact God, then how many know we need to listen to what Jesus says? And Jesus said here to Nicodemus, who comes to him at night, and Nicodemus want to know about this thing of being born again. Or he talks to Jesus about salvation, and Jesus explains to him, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, many people throw that word, to, that word around today. You ever, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, I'm a born again Christian? Well, in actuality, born again Christian is an oxymoron. Because if you are a Christian, you are by default born again. Because you see, and I, and I know why Christians sometimes say that. Many Christians say that because there are a lot of people out there who consider themselves Christians. For an example, if they did a poll today, they said, and I've seen the most recent polls, and they say somewhere in the neighborhood of 78% of people in our country say that they are Christians. But yet when you and I look around us, how come there is not a whole lot of evidence of our Christianity in our society today? Everything about society today try to push us away from anything that has to do with Jesus Christ. You can get away with saying God, but the minute you start talking about Jesus Christ, how many know people have issue with that? And they take issue with that, I believe, because in, in large part because they don't fully understand what the salvation experience <clears throat> is really all about. And so when we talk about this concept of being born again, Jesus said that you must be born again. That means that nobody can be a Christian. No man, woman, boy or girl can get into heaven without being born again. You must be born again. Now, what does this concept of being born again mean? Well, born again has to do with you being born from above. All of us were born here physically and uh, we came by way of our parents, our mother's womb. But then there is a spiritual birth when God, by the Holy Spirit, regenerates us. He saved us. He sealed us for all time by his Holy Spirit. And we become the children of God. This is what must happen to everyone who desires to be a Christian. That is why as it relates to baby dedication. Some people say, well, how come we, you know, why don't we just baptize babies? Well, in here, we don't believe in baptizing babies because baby Babies have not 
come to a place really where they can make a decision about Jesus Christ. Everyone must reach the age of accountability. Because if that was the case, how many know that no one comes into the earth born again? You, you must be born again by the Spirit of God. Each and every person must go through that pathway that God has designed. And so one of the realities of a Christian experience is that there's a change that comes in our lives when we get saved, when we get born again. And I've, you've heard me say this before, and I want to say it emphatically this morning. There is absolutely no way that a person can say that I am a Christian and there is no change in their lives. No way. When somebody said, well, you know what? I am a believer. I'm a Christian. And then there was, and let's say, for example, you knew them previously. And you saw how they lived their life. And then when they became a Christian, you see that they're still living the exact same old way. Then more than likely, they didn't get born again from above. Because when you're born again from above, there's a change that come over your life. No question about it. There's a change that come over you. There's no way to have an encounter with the all-living God and not be changed. You remember the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, and he was breathing out threats and murders against believers. He had an encounter with Jesus, and when he had that encounter with Jesus, the Apostle Paul's whole life was changed, so much so that the people were afraid of him. They said, you know, this guy was just out here talking about killing Christians. He was looking for them to hunt them down. Now, all of a sudden, he is here preaching Jesus. And so Paul was so radical in his change that it made people uncomfortable. But the point is that the apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus and he was changed. Many of you who were saved, you know that when you got saved, when you got born again from above, there was a change that came over your life. There's something that happens eternally. When you're getting born again, I mean, it, 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 it suggests that you're starting all over. There's a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new pathway, if you will. There's nothing about our lives that is different. Being born again means that it affects our whole person. Everything about us is changed. You remember the woman of the, on, uh, that Jesus met, the woman at the well? Same experience. Jesus meet this woman, and he tells her about all the husbands she got, and he began to prophesy to her. And what happens to her? She goes into the city. She becomes an evangelist and she preaches to everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. In other words, after she had an encounter, there was a, a notable change in her life. And so no one can be born again. No one can have an encounter with God and not be changed. I mean, no, we got to tell the truth. We got to say it for what it really is. There's a change that come over your life when you're born again of God's spirit. For the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Old things have passed away. That means everything is new. And, and you have to ask yourself this question. Because I often ask myself the question, when, I, when, you know, when, when you're born again, when everything becomes new, that means that if something that radical happens to you in your life, that everything is new, how can that be something that you don't know about or you don't remember? I've had people I've heard people say this. Well, you know, I don't I don't ever remember getting saved. And I have issue with that. Now, you may not know the exact date or time, but there should have been something in your life that happened that you said, you know what? I'm not going to live the same way that I used to live. I'm going to look at this thing completely and totally different. You know, when I get when I gave my life to Christ. 
I remember that things changed instantly for me. That suddenly, the way that I looked at life, the way that I thought about people, I couldn't hold on to anger anymore. I couldn't hold on to unforgiveness anymore. I couldn't hold on to hate anymore. I couldn't hold on to wanting to get revenge on people anymore. When I got born again, there was something in my life that I had a hunger and thirst for God. And listen to me. And, and, and when you're born again, that is one of the evidences of being born again is that you have a hunger and a thirst for God. You want to please God. A person who is not born again, they have no real desire to please God. They live their lives according to their flesh and whatever they want to do and however they are pleased. But a person, a born again believer, he or she have it built in the inside of them a very strong and passionate desire to want to please God. Now, do we still struggle from time to time? Yes. Do we still struggle with sin from time to time? Yes. But, but we are changed. We're not the same. There's a notable difference in our lives, those of us who have been born again of God's spirit. And so Christianity is not about a bunch of rules and rituals. See, some people think that, you know, <clears throat> when I used to do <clears throat> street evangelism a lot, when I used to go out in the street, one of the things that we used to always kind of uh, gauge our success was by whether or not we can get somebody to pray the sinner's prayer. And I remember being out there and sharing the gospel with people and getting them to pray. My big thing was to just get them to say the words. And you would say things like, you know, you're going to go to hell if you don't get saved. And I mean, those things are true, but, you would, but my real aim was to simply get them to say the prayer. But I noticed something that even after they would say the prayer, I would see those same people back on the street having no desire for God, continuing in their same old lifestyle, no hunger, no thirst, wanting nothing to do with God, no spiritual appetite for God whatsoever. And I used to wonder, God, what's the problem? I mean, they said the sinner's prayer. But how many of you know that if somebody came up to you and said, well, you can make sure that you don't spend eternity in hell, that you say these words, how many of you might be tempted to just go ahead and say the words? But Christianity is not about just saying a bunch of words. It's about something that happens on the inside of you. You must be born again. Because if you're not born again, then you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus made that point very, very clear. And so this is a message that we must teach. This is the message that Jesus gave us to give to the people that we encounter. That unless a man or woman is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means being born from above. We must be born from above. Now look, at, look with me in Ephesians chapter number two. I want to show you, this is a perfect picture, I believe, of what happens to us at the time when we're walking in our sin and then God comes along through the power of the Holy Spirit and where our lives are changed. Look at Ephesians chapter number two, verses one through seven. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. At least you can turn there, please. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Are you there? Amen. Now look at this. This is a wonderful picture of what we were before we came to God. Look at this. It says, and you he made alive. If you have King James Version, it says, and you he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. So this is so before we came to Christ, we were dead in trespasses and in sin. OK, 
Dead means that we were shut off from the life of God. We had no hope. Watch this. It goes on a bit further. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now, look, look at this picture here. This is the person that is not born again. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all <clears throat> once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. In other words, we did whatever it is that our flesh wanted to do. Whatever sin, whatever we wanted to do, we just did it. We didn't think about God. We didn't think about the consequences. We just indulge ourselves in our fleshly appetites. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, watch this, and were by nature children of wrath, just like others. And so he gives, us a, he gives us a perfect picture here of the condition that we were in. See, he quickened us. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We had no desire for God. We did whatever it was that made us feel good. But look at verse number four. He said, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, watch this, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive or quickened us together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so you see the picture here. He gives us a, a, a picture of who we were before we were born again. And God in his grace and mercy, he quickened us. In other words, he regenerated us. He saved us. How many know that God is the one that come after you? You know, here's another misnomer that people have. One of the things that we must understand is God himself is the one who pursue us and bring us into the kingdom. See, God is the one that opens your eyes and gives you the ability to be able to see in order to have faith to believe. See, it's all God initiated. Being born from above have everything to do with God and not human flesh and human effort. God comes in. A person cries out to God. God comes. He regenerates them. Then, they, then you open your heart. You become a believer. You receive his salvation. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and it seals you. It seals you. So being born from above have everything to do with the Holy Spirit and God coming to you and bringing you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he said we were dead in trespasses and sin. So people who don't know Christ, guess what? I don't care how good they look. I don't care how pretty they look. I don't care how much money they give. I don't care how much money they have. But if they haven't been born again from above, they are dead people walking. They simply look like they're living, but in actuality, they are dead. And they need the glorious light of the gospel to come to them. Your denomination, for an example, won't save you. You know, there are a lot of people that believe that going to church will save you. You know, my mother was a Baptist. My dad was a Presbyterian. Or my aunt was a... Uh, you know, a, a Lutheran or a Baptist or and you hear all these different denominations and people say and people and there are many people who sat in church week after week, believing that just because they are in church, then they are born again. They're right with God. But I mean, no, unfortunately, there are many people that are sitting in the church who have not been born again. 
Just because somebody comes to church does not make them born again. You can come to church all your life and not be born again. You can give money and not be born again. You can do some really, really neat things and not be born again. Because remember what I said, Christianity is not about uh, rules and regulations, not about doing things. It's about relationship. And every person in order to enter the kingdom of God must be born again. So <clears throat> it has nothing to do with denomination. It's absolutely nothing to do with that. Denomination is something that man made. It's not inspired by God because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so the only criteria for getting into heaven is being born again through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. And this is the message of the gospel. And it has nothing to do with denomination. And you'll run across people from time to time. And you'll say, well, are, are, are you saved? They say, yeah, I'm a Baptist. Well, that's me. I'm glad you're a Baptist. Well, I'm a Catholic. Okay. Really, really glad that you're a Catholic. But I didn't ask you, are you a Catholic? I didn't ask you if you're a Baptist. I ask you, have you been born again? Are you a Christian? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I tell my kids all the time, I said, look, you can go inside of that school and they'll come back and they'll tell me, well, such and such say they're a Catholic. And so, I said, okay, that's really, really neat. But just because they go to church on Sunday don't mean they're born again. Some of the problems or many of the issues that we have in church today is because you have the wheat and the tares sitting in the same place. You have people that are Christians in the church and you have a bunch of folks who are not. And the folks that are not are in constant conflict. And I mean, know the real Christians, they don't want to fight and argue. People that are born again, we don't want to fight and argue, do we? People that are born again, they want to make stuff right. They want to do whatever we want to do, whatever we can to 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 bring reconciliation, to to bridge, uh, you know, conflicts. You want to people that are born again. They are peacemakers. The Bible says, blessed are those that are peacemakers, for they shall see the kingdom of God. So the people of God and folks that are born again, they are peacemakers. They are they are wanting to make peace. And so we got to be honest about this thing and let people know, listen, it's not about denomination. Denominations never saved anybody. Denomination will lead a lot of people astray because they will think, you know, and it's another scripture verse when Jesus says, depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. Well, why did Jesus say that? And, and this person that Jesus was talking to had done some great things. They have prophesied. They've done all these wonderful things. Jesus says, depart from me. I never, ever knew you. Well, why did he say that? Because he said it because there was no relationship. What there was was simply uh, a, a knowledge of God, a knowledge of how to do things, but there was no relational connection. And you'll run across many people. I ran across many people who said to me, well, I'm going to try to stop smoking. I'm going to try to stop drinking because God want me to stop. That's a noble thing. Or I'm going to try to stop uh, being angry, being mad. And I'm going to try. That's really, really good. But how many know that anything that's a work of the flesh, it ain't going to last long? Because you need the power of God to help you. See, see, it, it, being born again has nothing to do with human effort. It has everything to do with the power of God living on the inside of you. It has to do with his spirit enabling you to do these things. So if a person tries to do what's right outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, outside of being born again, they are ultimately going to be sorely disappointed. Because it's about relationship. And I've met people that say that to me. Oh, I'm going to try to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. But they haven't been born again. And if you haven't been born again, you're going to find yourself struggling in a significant way. Look at verse number eight in John. I think in, back in the Gospel of John, same chapter. Because 
Um, spiritual birth is not a tangible or material act. Look at verse number eight in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter number three, talking about being born again and the evidence of it. It says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, listen to me. You know, when a wind, when a strong wind comes, right? Because like yesterday, <laughs> we have evidence that there's been wind because there are leaves all over our yard. And we was out there yesterday battling the leaves and there's a ton of them. You often know when wind has come because sometimes wind will leave property damaged. You know that wind has come when you wake up in the morning, you find trash all over the place, scattered everywhere you go, trees bent over. And you look and you say, oh, man, we must have had a, a strong wind last night. Or you know the wind has come when you're sitting in your home and you hear the noise of it and you stop and you say, what's that noise? Now, you can't see the wind, but you know it's there, right? You know it's there because of what it leaves behind, the characteristics of the presence of wind. He, Jesus says, so is the spirit. So is the spirit. You not necessarily can't see what happened to a person with the naked eye in terms of what God does inside of a person. But the way that you will know that a person has been changed and has been born again is you will see the effects of it. Just like that wind. You know, wind has touched wind has touched down on something because it's been affected in some way. For everyone who is born again, when we're really born again by the spirit of God, there's going to be some kind of effect. There's going to be something noticeable about our lives that's going to change. Something about us that's not the same. Our worldview change. Our perspective change. Everything about us changes. Because we understand that we have been touched by the power of God. So we talked about this, this new perspective. So the evidence of being born again is Jesus said it this way, the tree is known by its fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. And we don't like to talk about it because it's easier today just to say that everybody's going to go to heaven. That's one of the things that I believe that some of our famous talk show hosts and all these people kind of speculate. And they give people false hope because they tell people, oh, you don't need to worry about all that other stuff. And in fact, a lot of people don't even talk much about being born again anymore. And when they do use the term born again, they throw it around loosely like it's just some kind of a term. That, that has little meaning, but it has very, very significant meaning. If Jesus said you can't get to heaven unless you're born again, you better figure out what born again means. You must be born again. It's, listen, don't, don't let people tell you, well, I go to church. Don't let people tell you, well, I'm better than such and such, than this person over here. And I haven't done those things, and, and so therefore I'm better. So, so God is going to get me in because I'm a good person. Good, good deeds don't get nobody into heaven. And that was the case. I mean, there are a lot of people that do good things, right? Think about it. There are a lot of people we know that they give to the poor, they give money. But as much and as wonderful and as good as that is, if a person has no relationship with God, if they have not been born again from the, by the Spirit of God, then they are not saved. Salvation only comes to those who are born again of God's Spirit. Look at Romans chapter number eight. Let's take it a step further. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter number eight. Let's read verses uh, uh, one through 11. Romans chapter eight. Look at this. 
Talking about being born again. Now, I know that this is a message that is not a popular one. But how many know as we draw closer to Jesus coming back, it's going to get more and more difficult because people want to believe what they want to believe. But that's why we have to go back to the Bible. And we have to let people know that just because you are a part of a church or part of a denomination, that that doesn't save you. That you're saved when you are born again of God's spirit. But look what it says here in, in verse number one. We'll kind of skip a little bit. Just follow with me. He says, now there is therefore now uh, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So to those who are Christians, to those who have been born again, we're not condemned. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, According to Ephesians, and I won't have you turn there for time's sake, but according to Ephesians chapter number one, verses 13 and 14, it explains that every one of us who get born again, that each and every one of us has within us the, the spirit of God living on the inside of us. So every person who gets saved, what happened is the spirit of God comes inside of you and he makes his takes permanent residence in you. So then now watch this. One of the evidences of knowing that you have been born again is that there's a war in your soul. You know, what I'm talking about the war in your soul. There's a part of you that want to continue to live that old life, the old flesh, the old fleshly nature still wants to try to dominate. That's why the Bible says that in the flesh, you cannot please God. Right. So it's that old, old fleshly man that still want to dominate. But yet there's this now that you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, there's a war that you know about. There's this struggle that goes on in the realm of the spirit that you never saw before until you got saved. Because before coming to Christ, before being born again, we lived according to our flesh. We didn't even know about any struggle because whatever it was we wanted to do, we just did it. You know, sometimes we would, we would curtail that if we knew other people knew about it. But internally, we're talking about even when nobody is there looking at you, there's a struggle that goes on in your flesh. When you, the evidence you know you're saved because there's this war. There's this thing. I, I really don't want to do this. There's one side of you saying, do it, do it, do it. There's another side of you saying, no, don't do that because it won't be pleasing to God. Because remember I said again, when you're born again, there's in you this big drive. There's, there's in you this, this innate desire to want to please God. Every Christian have it in them. If you're born again, you want to please God. And so anything that you do that does not please God, guess what? It bothers you. It frustrates you. Because you're thinking, so I didn't want to do that. And it's not just because, oh, somebody found out about it. It's because I violated the principle of God. Let's say if you sin and nobody else knew about it, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, guess what? It's going to bother you because guess who knows about it? And you know who knows about it? God. And because you know that God knows about it, it bothers you even if nobody else saw what you did. And you're convicted in your soul. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. And what does the Holy Spirit do when he comes inside of you? Jesus says that he would teach you and he would show you all things that I've said to you. He would bring to your remembrance everything that I said. So the Holy Spirit, he abides in us. He talks to us. He empowers us. He let us know the way that we should be walking. He let us know where we're going out of the way. The Holy Spirit is there. He communicates with us. So now all of a sudden you get born again. There's this war that's going on inside of you that you never saw before. I remember when I first came to Jesus, 
that I remember this war, and, and I was so confused because I said to myself, why am I struggling in this area? Why is this bothering me so much? It's because I just I got born again. And when you get born again, there's something in you that says, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. And yes, you have those battles sometimes. And yes, you have those struggles sometimes. But if you're born again believer, every time you sin against God, guess what happens? You get upset about it, don't you? You don't like the feeling. It bothers you. Now, before, when you used to do your old thing, it didn't bother you much to do what you did. It didn't bother you to hate people, not forgive people. It didn't bother you not to share. It didn't bother you to want to go up somebody's head when, they got, when you got mad. It, it didn't bother you. There's nothing that said don't do it. You just said, well, you know, if I can get away with it, I'm just going to do it. But as a person that's being born again, uh-uh-uh-uh, you don't think that way anymore because the Spirit of God won't let you think that way. But look what he says here in verse number three. For the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. In Romans chapter eight, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So then now as a Christian, he's making it very, very uh, a plane, so we have the spirit of God living on the inside of us, but yet we still have that fleshly appetite that wants to try to pull us away from what God wants us to do. But look at verse number six. Uh, actually, look at verse number five. I can't skip verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, watch this. That means according to whatever pleases us. Uh, those who live according to the flesh, who live according to human uh, uh, value system, uh, or, or those who live. According to the flesh outside of of God's realm, set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who are live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So those of us who are who have the Holy Spirit abiding in us, we live according to the spirit of God. That's our aim in life for to be currently minded is uh, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Watch this, though, because the eternal, uh, the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. But watch what he says here. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So here it is. So those who are in the flesh, those who are outside of being born again, those who are not believers, those who are trying to please God by doing neat, really, really neat and nice things, it, you can't please God. He said those who are in the flesh walk according to their own principles. According to whatever they, they cannot please God. But watch what he says. But you are not in the flesh. He's talking to Christians now. These are born again people. You are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now watch this. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Wow. You see that? She says anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he don't belong to him. I don't care what people say. And you can tell whether or not somebody has the spirit of Christ by how, they, by, by, by how they live, how they think, what their communication is all about. I, tell my, I, I told uh, one of my, my teenagers not too long ago, I said to them, they said, well, such such a Christian. They said to me, well, yeah, they go to church. And I said, well, what, their, what is their conversation about? What do they talk about? What motivates them? What drives them? Is there any real talk about Jesus? Well, no then you might think that might be an issue with that. Remember we talked about you cannot come into and have an encounter with God and not be changed. You can't. I don't care what people say. The Bible says if any man have not the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. 
Don't belong to him. You got to be born again. You got to be born again of his spirit. You got to be born again of his spirit. <laughs> look at um, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. We only got a couple more scriptures and we're done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. See, the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit. What is a natural man? The natural man is a man who's not born again. That's who the natural man is. Watch this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number uh, 2. Is that what I said? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this. Verse number 14. 2.14. But the natural man, or the carnal man, or the man or woman that lives in the flesh, outside of the realm of God, the unregenerate man, the fleshly man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. See? Watch this. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, now look up here. Look up here for a minute. Listen to it. So here's what he says. He says, now, so the natural man or the carnal man, they cannot receive the things of the spirit. They don't understand it. You ever see people who look at Christian, when you tell them I'm a believer and I go to church every Sunday, I give a, at least 10 percent of my money, if not a whole lot more, um, you know, I, I, I go to prayer meetings uh, and, and I'm just going to believe God for this. And I'm going to I'm, I'm not going to strike back. Or I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, redeem or revenge myself. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. Somebody mistreat me. I'm just going to they look at you and they think, what's wrong with you? And you say to them, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. They look at you like you crazy. When you say, well, give and it shall be given to you. No, I have need. Why would I give now? It doesn't make sense. They look at you and say, why would you give? And you don't you don't have much. You need to store up. You need to you need to save. When Jesus come along and say give and you tell him, you said, well, the Bible says I'm all to give. And then God said, it's going to be given back to me. And then to the world, they listen to that kind of thinking. They say that's that's stupidity. I, I remember I'll never forget it. We had our tax lady. Uh, some years ago, she said we've been using the same lady. And uh, so it's amazing. We still have her as our tax lady. But she looked at my income that I gave for the year to the church. She looked at, first of all, the income and the amount of money that I bring in, I brought in for that year. And she looked at the amount of money that I had given to the church. And it was none of her business, but she, she said to me, she called me, she says, you know, you give too much money to the church. Now, I could have very easily said to her, Brother Larry, I could have said, uh, really, it's none of your business what I give to the church. Um, your job is to do my taxes. But, you know, what I remembered and the Holy Spirit reminded me of is that she don't understand spiritual things because a person that's born again of God's spirit, they will look at that and say, what? Man, you gave that much. Great. I want to try to expand on that. I need to rearrange my finances so I can give more and more and more to the kingdom because I know that whatever I give, it's going to follow me. It's going to go with me. So I can never outgive give God. But a person who's not spiritually discerning, they say, well, why are you doing that? Because as the scripture says right here, it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So you go and you start talking about Jesus. They say, you're a fool. I marvel sometimes at these pastors and leaders who get on television, talk to some of these secular commentators like Larry King and all these different people. And they're trying to explain spiritual things to them. 
And, and, and it's like, well, and, and they always come from, you know, the, the commentators, they always come from a very humanistic, a humanistic perspective. And they start saying, well, why, why'd you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And I laugh. And I'm like, man, you're sitting there trying to explain a, uh, explain a spiritual concept to someone who's spiritually dead. They're not going to get it. What we need to pray is that the light of the gospel come and open their understanding so that they might see. And unless the spirit of God comes and regenerate a person, they can't see or really grasp what you're really doing. When you start getting into the deep things of God, they will look at you and say, what are you talking? Why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense to me to go to church. That doesn't make any sense to give. That doesn't make any sense that, that, that to, to let this person get away with that. Why would you do that? Well, because I know the Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So I'm just going to trust God. Trust God? That doesn't mean, what, what do you mean trust God? And you're sitting there trying to explain to them and they're not getting it. Because they're not spiritually alive. You remember I said, it does not matter how much somebody, how many neat things they do or how many times they come to church. doesn't matter. You can have people sitting in church for years, 20, 25, 30 years, and not born again. Not born from above. But they're very comfortable sitting there because nobody came and said to them, you got to be born again. There has to be a change in your life, and you can't, just can't try to do good. Because trying to do good will only last for so long. You and I need the power of God in order to help us. So how are we born again? We need to confess our sins. We need to cry out to God and, and acknowledge our sins and acknowledge to God that we want to be changed, that we want him to come and save us. Look at John in closing. Uh, John chapter number uh, one. Look at this. We need to confess our sins. So this is how we're born again. So we need to confess our sins. But look at this. I want you to, I want you to see this in verses uh, Uh, 12 and 13 in the gospel of John chapter number one. It says, but as many as received him, right? Many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of the, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, how many of you have heard people say, we're all God's children. How many of you have ever heard that phraseology? You know, whenever I hear that, I look at people and I say, no, it's not true. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. But he says to them who received him, receive me to believe, surrender your life to him. That's what it means. And so until a person surrender their life to Christ, because the Bible said that the devils believe, you know, the devils believe that Jesus exists and they tremble. But how many know the devil is not receiving him as savior, Right. They're destined to hell. So just because somebody says, oh, I, I know about, knowing about Jesus will not save you. You got to receive them, receive him. But the Bible says to those who received him, receive, believe, surrender your life to him. To them he gave power or the right to become the sons and daughters of God. So we're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. Only born again believers or born again Christians or the, the oxymoron or Christians born of the Spirit of God, are really the sons of God. And we got to make this, we got we to make this scene, and make it so that people can understand what the scripture says that it relates to this. We must state the truth, no matter whether people are comfortable with it or whether they're not comfortable with it. 
The Bible says in Acts 3.19, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The new birth takes place according to the will of God and not according to the will of man. A person is born again when they believe the message of the gospel and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal savior. They are then said to be born not of blood, meaning not of human descent, not of the will of the flesh, not of human desire or human effort or merit, not of the will of man. The new birth cannot be given by one person to another. You can't inherit your faith, your parents' faith. Tell my kids all the time, I can't get you into heaven. Every individual have to make up their own mind whether or not they're going to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. I cannot pass my inheritance to uh, my Christianity to my children. I can live it before them. I can explain it to them. But at some point, they have to make up in their minds that they're going to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Bible says, if thou confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you will be saved. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. A promise. So this is the message of the gospel. And I think no better way to end this series than to explain to people that they must be born again. This is a spiritual act that can only come from God himself. And this is a message that we must communicate to every man that we come into contact with. There's no way to get into heaven without being born again. So when people say, I come to church and I do this and I do that, we say, good, wonderful. But have you been born again of the Spirit? And we talked about the evidence of being born again of the spirit. You will see a change in a person's life. If there is absolutely no change in their life, there's no conviction. Probably they never got born again, though they may attend church, though they may do some great things. We must warn every man of the truth because we love him that much. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed as we pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the blessing.